Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's Movie Lovers podcast episode, we're going to be doing our spoiler review for Gunpowder Milkshake. This is a new Netflix movie that dropped over the weekend. This movie had a budget of $30 million, I think. Yep, it had a budget of $30 million based on my notes. And I have to say, I really I liked aspects of this movie, but I didn't love it as a whole like I wanted it to. And I'll get to, into my negativities later on. But here's the thing. I love the opening sequence. Basically, it's about this girl uh, named Sam. And Sam winds up being left by her mom at this diner who happens to be working for this assassin-type family called The Firm. The Firm is actually this firm, this place that basically hires assassins to take out certain people. And she winded up taking out the wrong person, which leads to Sam's mom going on the run. She leaves Sam behind. Uh, then, of course, you have Paul Giamatti in this movie, which I love Paul Giamatti whenever he shows up in certain movies because you know that Paul's going to show up. He's going to go on ahead and deliver his A-game. So I thought having Paul in this movie was going to be fantastic. To me, he doesn't really do much in this film to actually do anything for me to care about Paul Giamatti at the, in this film. But still, uh, just the excitement of seeing him in the first uh, five minutes of the film was really good. And then, of course, you know, you wind up having this flashlight flashback scene with sam in this diner it's like a 1950s 1960s kind of diner and you see her mom walking in slow motion and then that's when she sits uh, right across from sam of course you know that uh we wind up seeing some russians that comes in and one of the leaders winds up cutting her face asking where her mom is and everything and she's talks in russian and she winds up uh, not giving him any information next thing you know it 
you see Sam's mom tell her, close your eyes. Next thing you know, you hear a, a silencer go off. And the next thing you know, it bodies are everywhere around the diner. Then Sam's mom winds up jumping off and then after driving off. And then after that, we wind up going back into present day where Sam is inside the diner, same 1950s uh, diner and everything. And then you wind up finding out that this is not your typical diner at all. This is a place for Hitman. This is basically John Wick kind of thinking because this is like their home base rather than having it at a continental ho hotel this is basically a diner for assassins to go to to have a safe haven to where nobody can shoot kill anybody or anything like that supposedly but you know i definitely like the waitress and she has like a 1950s 60s kind of flavor to her and everything's like hey can i lighten your load and of course that means take off your gun and everything and put it into her uh, apron and everything and then she goes off and then you go in and conduct business the way you need to conduct assassin's business now when paul giamani drops in and everything and sees sam sitting in there and of course she has her milkshake just like she did whenever uh, her mother came because i'm thinking in sam's mind that her mom's going to come back eventually she just doesn't know when so she always get orders this milkshake for two and that's when paul giamani winds up saying look what happened in there this was supposed to be a quiet operation instead it winded up going all go into all hell. And she said, well, you told me that it was supposed to be people that have like potato guns, pretty much. They're, they're not supposed to have much ammo or anything like that, any automatic guns. And he said, well, what exactly happened? Next thing you know, it goes into a flashback scene of Sam taking out two dual pistols with silencers on it. And then next, you don't even see the outcome of that and everything. Here's the thing. I wish that they would actually showed how badass Sam was in that scene, because to me that took away, this is like a little small nitpicky thing, but I wanted to see this John Wick type of style whenever you're dealing with a female role of that kind of character. And we don't even see it. We always see is there's dead bodies around and she killed some people. And now she also killed the mob boss's son and you don't even see the lead up to that at all as to that being the, the mob boss's son. So I wish that we could actually saw that. But what did you think, Charlie? What did you think of the opening scene and stuff? Well, the opening scene actually wasn't the diner. It was like her killing the guy, the the, the black and kind of like black and whitey and killing the guy in there and then opening the door and see the whole gang of people. And she's like, fuck. And that's what it introduces the opening. Um, I thought it was a good opening because it kind of reveals who, like, we don't know much of her because her character is mysterious, which leads to more intrigue. And I slightly agree with you that. I mean, like, I wanted to personally see her kill all those people. But then again, the fact that you don't see it doesn't show, know that she's not a badass because we get that later on in the movie. So like, I guess it's just trying to progress. It's just building to that portion where she goes off, like goes John Wick on people because we get plenty of moments of her going badass. But yeah, I thought that was a cool opening. And then the sequence with uh, Lena, he Lena, he uh, Lena he Headley playing the mom. I think she's she was great in this because it's really nice to finally see her play a character you like. Cause you like, I mean, yeah, at the one where the mom disappearing that, but just the other stuff you've seen Lena Headey, the last role I saw her in that I actually enjoyed her in, she was in that, she was in the, uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. She played Sarah Connor in the, the Fox TV shows, which was a fantastic TV show and screw you Fox for canceling out on a damn cliffhanger. She played Sarah Connor and she was great. She played a better Sarah Connor than her counterpart in Game of Thrones did. Amelia Clark did in Terminator Genesis. 
go figure. You would be rooting for Cersei to put it be a better Sarah Connor than um the Daenerys. But moving on, but yeah, it was nice seeing Lena Headey play characters you would like. You know, it was just not really not really often. I mean, I'm not saying she's not a bad she's a bad actress. I'm not saying that at all. That means you obviously she's do, she's doing something right that you hate her character. Um, but yeah, I thought like that opening sequence with the Russian about this um her taking out all the guys in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the, uh, the restaurant. Um, but you feel for Sam when she got that pretty nasty cut on her face. That's actually a scar that's for that follow her for pretty much her whole life, pretty much. Um, I mean, I like the opening. I like the whole the the, the diner. It kind of like continental, like you said about you cannot conduct. Well, they were they weren't pretty verbatim. Like you cannot conduct business on ground because we clearly see business is being conducted on this and there's no excommunicado or anything like that i think that's more in the library but um i like the opening it all like this i was intrigued this whole movie i mean th like this movie like as i watched this uh saturday night and this was definitely a a palate cleanser from that trap that lame ass piece of shit that was space jam 2 and you're wondering why we what we thought of it just check out our review for it. It's more of a bashing than it is a review. But yeah, this like going into this one, I was really pumped to watch this. I loved it. I loved it. I thought the action sequences were great. Um, I was sucked into the story. I was sucked into the plot um, for it. And nothing really seemed like it, it seemed to move at a really quick pace, which was really nice. Um, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't like like it's nothing really was like bothering me. Um, is it gonna be my favorite movie of the year? No. Um, but it's definitely gonna be in my top ten. This. Just from what I watched it, I was fairly entertained. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like the opening, and um, yeah, I, I love the opening. I thought it was really good. It was a good exposition to it. Um, I, I, I'm Paul Giamatti. Like he, he was just at, at a desk. But I think since this movie's confirmed for a sequel, I think we'll see more of him. But we'll see. But um, I was really happy to find out that this movie got a sequel because this one actually kind of makes sense for a sequel. Tomorrow War, not so much, but. Right. But another thing, though, too, that I want to mention is this. The dialogue for me just felt kind of corny. It just didn't really flow well at the first act or anything like that. It took me a while to go into this whole entire thing where it was forced dialogue and stuff like that. But I'm trying to, and here's the thing, it's like I was trying to make the best of it on what they gave me. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to plow on through it, ignore the bad dialogue, and see what else, where it goes with this thing. Because I want, uh, here's the thing, I love this, like I, like uh, Brandy says, the nostalgia factor is awesome whenever you look at the 1950s, 60s kind of diners kind of style. The lighting is what really got me if you looked at the trailer reaction that we did for this. Because remember, I said I like the, uh, the colors and everything, the color scheme of the whole entire thing of the outline felt like a 1950s, 60s kind of vibe to it and stuff like that. But the dialogue for me just didn't flow right for me. That's just me and my, me personally. But as far as the plot line and stuff goes and stuff like that, I, I definitely like the plot and the way that they carried it out. There was a few little uh, things, other things I didn't really care for. And I'll get to that later, but you know, then after we get done with that whole entire thing in the diner, and don't forget, this is actually taking place uh, a couple of years later into Sam's past and everything. This is actually taking place, I think, what, 15, uh, 15 years later? 
I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 15 years later. That's what I had. She's in my definitely notes. an adult. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. put that. And this time she's working for Paul Giamatti's character, Nathan. And basically Nathan says, well, I got a job for you. They stole from the firm and we need you to go on ahead and take this guy out. So she goes over to this guy's apartment and then she winds up running into the guy that stole from the firm. And so this guy gets out of the shower and everything. He sees her and goes, what? and all of a sudden this cell phone rings of this white, of this panda beard cell phone rings with this rain, a strange ringtone. And then she winds up, he goes, look, let me explain to you before you kill me. There's a reason why I stole the money. Next thing you know, is she shoots him in the stomach. And as he's di dying and bleeding out, he answers the phone. And then you hear a voice on the other end. You have 15 minutes to give me my money or else your daughter's going to die. And then you re then he's like, look, you got to help my daughter. He looks over at Sam. Look, you've got to help me. My daughter's going to die if you don't give me the money. Get, give these guys the money. So Sam is thinking back of the, on her past. And I like her facial expression at this moment because it goes into the flashback of her mom leaving her and knowing what it feels like to be an orphan. And she's like, well, fuck. Okay, so I got to go and do this. So she winds up taking the money and everything. Nathan calls her, goes, what's going on? He goes, look. I'm gonna have to uh, take the money and give it over to the uh, give it over to some people. And at that point, Nathan's like, "Look, just bring the money back and everything, and everything's good." And he goes, "No, I can't do that. You'll have your money in a couple of hours. I gotta go and save a little girl." And then she was just gonna leave the leave her father there, the little girl's father there. But then she turns back around, gets her gets the father, and then next thing you know, it she drives over to this. Uh, safe house, a safe haven kind of thing where basically it's in a if you think about it, it's actually a dentist <laughs> um, for the for assassins. And so basically that's where they go and so so these assassins up and everything if they get shot or any kind of wounds and stuff. And the guy's like, what the heck happened? He's like, he got shot in the stomach. I need you to patch him up in five minutes and he needs to go. go and, he, and we need to go. He goes, He's not going to go anywhere in five minutes. <laughs> He's, so at that point, she winds up just leaving, leaving him there. Well, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll be back in an hour. Make sure he's operational by then. So what do you think of how that scene was played out? Um, I like the, 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 it was very like, it was a, it's a very like typical like dentist. It's not your thing. I love the tooth. Like, here, put your weapons in the tooth. So she had to put her gun. I thought that was funny. And I knew this doctor was shady because he works with shady people, like, all the time. Um, so that, I feel like that, like, just the build up to that about how, like, okay, that's how she's trying to save the the little girl and stuff. Because um, I was wondering, like, okay, where does she, when does she get the jacket? Because you, you the iconic jacket that she's wearing in the in our background image. Um, but this makes sense. I think it moved the plot along. Um to go on what you're saying about the dialogue, I didn't mind it. I wasn't really concerned about it. I was more the the, the dialogue didn't annoy me because I was more focused in on the story. Um, I think like, like I just I didn't personally pick up on any issues with that. But then again, I'm me. I like weird stuff. <laughs> anyway, but no, I liked how they moved this along and this the the tech, I just it, but just it kind of makes you gear towards Sam. Yeah, she's an assassin, but she's like. She's not one that you want to root against. Like you're rooting for her, and that and, that, and that's the important part of the movie. You have characters that you care about. Warner Brothers, you might want to like I don't know, 
think on that for next time. Well, if we was luckily for Suicide Squad, I think you've done it. But for other movies, who was leave the initials as um, S, uh, SJ2, you need to work on that. They made me listen to this because they get a sequel. That, that, that other movie may not. But yeah, sorry, I'm going to keep throwing shade at it because it was awful. Um, but anyway, I liked how they moved this along. Um, and I had a feeling something was going to happen to to the father. Because um, I don't think they really explained. Because I don't think Sam shot him. I don't think that was a killing shot, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, basically, he got shot in the stomach. That Usually if you get shot in the stomach, it's pretty much it. You can bleed out and stuff like that. It's hard to come back from a gun wound with something yeah. like that, to be honest with you. And Sam did shoot him in the stomach. So, yeah, I mean, you I know. Don't know. Yeah. Oh, sorry, but, I was, but no, 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 no. It's fine, man. It's perfectly fine. Um, But I was also thinking the same thing, too, though. The first time I saw it, I was like, did this doctor kill him or did Sam kill him? Of course, they can blame on Sam so she can go ahead and admit that he killed, she killed the little girl's father. But then I'm thinking, well, a gunshot wound to the to the stomach, there is a such thing as, as a hard comeback for it and everything, too, for someone to come back after being shot in the stomach. Yeah. So it's iffy. It can go on speculation pieces on depending on how you see it. Just for me, I'm going to say that the gunshot wound uh, is the reason why. Because look at all the blood he was actually yeah uh, that he had on him and everything when he, Sam brought him in. But that's just my opinion, though. I don't think it was i think sam the shot because he still seemed okay when she left and because also because it took a while for sam to get back to the the doctor oh. area because obviously because obviously the three goons who we'll get into in a sec were there too and they're on the laffy gas and how and like and then how the doctor knew uh, like i think the doctor was kind of getting paid by those three good buffoons or by I, nathan I, or Nathan, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think because like, I think they're trying to make Sam so the little like something like so the little girl kind of turn on Sam a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating. It makes sense. I don't think Sam because the goons were there way before Sam got there because Sam had to do deal with like had to drive with the little girl. There's a lot of stuff Sam had to do, so we don't know about the timeline because those goons were there way before Sam got back. Right. Um, because another thing, though, too, and, you know, now looking back on it, it does kind of make sense for Nathan to go in ahead and cover up some loose ends since Sam wasn't able to deliver on it. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense since the, she beat up those goons in the uh, bowling alley. Yeah. And everything. It makes sense now, now that you think about it, now that I'm actually thinking about it and everything else. But, you know, it's fun just to speculate and everything on what you, whatever you guys saw. Let us know in the comment section. And stuff, but yeah. they don't what you think. But yeah. uh, going ahead, tell me what else. Yeah. Uh, you oh, want and, to I, and the other thing too is when they put the sheet over the the dad, there's blood on the top of the sheet. I mean, and that usually only seems if there's a there's like when the, there's like a head wound or something. I don't know. I think they the the stomach one, yeah, it can kill you. I would even like when I was watching them, like I don't think Sam killed him because I think he was okay. And, and she was gone for quite a while, and she pretty much warned the doctor, you need to fix him. And I think it's either the doctor killed him or the goons did or somehow or they paid the doctor to do it or had the assistant do it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't think Sam killed – like the, the, the shot Sam did to the that 
Because I think that that shot, I think he would have been dead pretty a lot sooner when she got him to the doctor. Then again, I'm just speculating, but I don't think Sam killed him. I think it was more of a, and Sam just took it to upon her because it was guilt. Um, but to be honest, I, again, that's just me. I don't think Sam technically killed him. I think it was somebody else doing it to cover up loose ends. But because how did the uh, how did the goons get the guns and stuff in the hospital while they're on Laffy gas? This is true. So no, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also too, there's also there's actually something else that I forgot to mention before she gets over to uh, the the other gangsters who actually have the daughter and everything. She actually goes over to um, the library to get the weapons clean. In other words, is she has to go in and drop this off at the, the old weapons that she had into the library and then she gets new weapons from the library which i love the library part sequence and everything i thought that was very interesting to have that kind of mythology with it it has that john wick charlie angels kind of vibe to it like brandy said when she saw it she saw that it had this charlie angels kind of flavor to it in a sense but also too has a very john wick kind of flavor to it as well and i like when she goes up to uh uh florence and she wants to go ahead and open up in a library account. And she goes, well, I don't think you have an account here. Well, I want to open one. She goes, you do look familiar. So she winds up going into this little secret passage um, place and everything and takes her down downstairs. And then that's when we wind up finding all the other sisterhood assassins and everything. And I do like uh, the sisterhood Um of assassins in this movie. I thought the sister sisters were really good in this. Angela Bassett was always ends up, even if it's in a bad movie or whatever, you know that you can count on her to ca uh, carry the movie if, if it needs to be carried. Angela Bassett does a good job. The sisterhood ha has very good chemistry with one another and stuff like that. And I liked how they go on ahead. They go into Sam's bags, Sam's bag and Sam's bag actually has this thing called, uh, on the bag, it says, I love kittens on it. And it has a Tommy Hawk. And I liked how one of, how Florence, oh, I was looking all over for uh, for Tommy. I could never find him. And then she go, and then the other one is just analyzing Sam's personality based off the guns she has and stuff like that. She goes, no, I can go. I can go both ways pretty much on men. She goes, girls are fair game. So a feminist and also independent, somewhere around that area. I know that I'm not going for verbatim here, but then uh, ba Angela Bassett takes out the two dual pistols and everything is very impressed. Because, well, maybe I'm just a professional. Oh, okay. So you're a professional. So no kids. Okay. <laughs> so I definitely like the dialogue whenever it happens with that because I thought it was very snarky. It's very quick. It's very it's perfectly well executed whenever you look at it. I thought that was really good. And, you know, um, then I also like how all these guns are actually in these books. And each one represents what the gun is and what that type of weapon does. Like, for instance, you have a Jane Austen book, which is Pride and Prejudice. You have Charlotte Bronet, uh, which is uh, another book that I couldn't even, uh, I didn't even catch the co uh, cover to the title on that one. But Virginia uh, Woolf. Um, book is a room of one's own, and then you have Agatha Christie. She has a um, they have a book and everything, and basically all these guns and weapons and everything is inside the book, cut into a book into the book and everything. 
So I definitely like that. What about you? Did you? I had fun with the library scene, to be honest with you. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, like this when you meet the the the, the squad, Michelle Yeoh was just oh, she's always great in that, like in the um that her being typecast, but it's she she's she's an iconic badass. I mean, she's very famous internationally, but she's a lot of stuff she's in, like like she's gonna be in the new Sun Chi movie, so she's in a Marvel movie, so she's everywhere pretty much. So she's very iconic. Um, and then Carla Guglino as uh, Florence. She, she's like, like I said, she's always been great in a lot of stuff. Like I always, always known her as Carmen and Junie's mom from Spy Kids. Um, but no, there's her as Florence being the one like, the, like kind of like, she's always like, if, if, the, if this crew was kind of like a, let's just do like, um, a, like American Idol judge, like earlier. Florence, which is Carl Green, would be the Paul, uh, Paul Abdu character because she's always so nice and positive about everything, no matter if the performance is like garbage. She, that the, the 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 hard ass of the group is definitely the Angela Bassett character. She's like the Simon Cowell. She's very critical until there's a very few times where she's nice, but she's more nicer than that. And then the other one is kind of like I don't know what the that, but I think they they all kind of seem like. Each one's got different personalities, and, and uh, Florence was the one that picked up something that was about someone's familiar about Sam, and they find out Scarlet's kid, and Scarlet is the Lena Headey character, and that's how they kind of like help her out, and like, okay, well, yeah, you're in, um, and they and all the all that is like, oh, the tomahawk, I've been looking for you. She's like, sorry about that, <laughs> um, but it's just Sam's character likes likes cats. I mean, that's her pajamas. That's how she went into the restaurant, like in the beginning of the movie, after she's eating cereal or something. After she's sewn up a like, sewn up her arm, um, like she's always wearing like these kitty pajamas or something like that. It's just, it, 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 you get to see a different. I, I kind of like she's all killy, but she's like she kills you with kindness after she kills you in a sense. That's what Sam's. But yeah, I love that scene with the that i think the jane austen book there was nothing in it that's just for as florence says just some fun to read <laughs> but yeah each each book has a weapon or a survival tactic like i mean hence the the library can be your weapon and they this one literally takes it literally literally a book has a weapon in it that you can use you can even use a book as a weapon i mean denzel used the book as a weapon in the equalizer he killed somebody with a book heck John Wick kills a man with a book too, right in the neck. So a book can be as a weapon if you know how to use it, right? <laughs> but yeah, I love the library sequence. It was great. Um, and we'll get back to the library um, in a bit. But yeah, the, 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 this it, this is not a one-time appearance for the library, which I really appreciate it. Me too. At first, whenever they were introducing the library, to be honest with you, I'm like, okay, is this going to be a one-shot kind of thing and it's done and then Stan goes out? on a journey or are we going to see more of these characters because i love these characters so much in the library sequence and how relatable they actually are even though they're sisterhood of assassins they're very relatable in a certain aspects to them and i love their characters because of that so i thought that was really good the dialogue to me flowed really great with them on that aspect and everything for that and then you know then of course we wind up going on ahead we're seeing sam uh, go over to the basket to the um, bowling alley to to, to deliver the uh, the money over to those guys, and I love the color schemes. Yes, yet again, it has this red fibrin type of thing um, and stuff like that. I definitely love the colors inside the uh, bowling alley. I thought that was really good. And then, of course, 
we, Sam winds up getting a call from them. And he goes, where's the father at? He goes, and he had an accident. I'm just, I'm not going for verbatim. I'm just quoting something that I made up. But <laughs> so anyways, the, the goons that Nathan hires and everything shows up at the bowling alley. Next thing you know, you get to see how badass she actually is. Sam actually is. I liked the scene a little bit. Some of it seemed kind of wonky a little bit here and there on some of the fighting aspects of it. But I definitely do like the fact that we do get to see some fighting from her opposed to the very first at the very beginning of the film. So that I can actually appreciate. I definitely liked the part where she takes the the backpack and everything or this luggage and she's blocking their uh, moves with the uh, with their, with the weapons and everything. I thought that was really good. She takes the handle and winds up hitting someone, bashing somebody's head in with the handle and everything. That was really good. Um, then, of course, the bowling ball part makes me cringe every single time when she hits one of the goons with the ball bowling ball in the back. Then also uh, to the face, that was laid out pretty well. Where it gets kind of wonky for me is just when she takes the money bag and everything and starts hitting people takes it and just hits people with it it just seemed like the money would be a little too heavy for her to actually have in her hand that's just me but you know it just felt kind of wonky on that part but as far as her letting the money bag be a weapon when she's on the ground doing some ground and pound stuff i thought that actually worked out in her favor more than what it did whenever she had it in her hands but I also like the fact that we actually get to know where she got that iconic jacket at and everything because she didn't want to wear the bowling alley shirt or anything like that. So she changes into that. And so then she's ready to go on ahead. This, uh, and I loved how these gangsters are like in Frankenstein mask. They're also in the werewolf, uh, wolfman mask and then Frankenstein and Dracula mask. I thought that was actually pretty funny that they actually did something like that. Um, and then of course, you know, that's when they tell her, okay, you got, you have to meet me at this old video store that's actually run down in the mall. So that's where we pick up at. So I'm going to let Charlie go on ahead and take it away with the whole entire thing with the bowling alley. I love that sequence. I thought it was a great fight scene. I thought it was shot well. Like, I didn't see the wonkiness in it because the money isn't what you expect for money. It was more just, like, paper. Paper certificates. That's, what, that's where it was. It wasn't like... The cash that you normally see at drug houses, like like this, like hundred thousand dollars. Heck, I mean, we've seen a dodgeball. Hundred thousand dollars was just like a tiny stack of money. So it's like this one looked like kind of like certificatey kind of papers. It didn't look, like, it didn't look that heavy. Um, so to make or that's why she was probably able to pick it up and then start whacking people with it. But then again, these guys were like paperweights anyway, so I think it's kind of like making a reference. These guys are weak. She's gonna beat your ass with a with a with a pack of paper. So I didn't see the wonkiness of it. I was just so invested in the fight about how much of a badass she was, and she just took out those goons. Like, I don't want to hurt you, but you're not giving me any choice. But yeah, the bone out that, that that was that was pretty cringeworthy, but um, there's some more cringeworthy stuff later on in terms of like brutal brutalness. I'm like, ooh, like screaming, ooh, but but yeah, and I like the goons are all wearing like, like, and they're like, who the hell is this girl? I'm like, they're like seriously scared, kind of scared of her, which is kind of funny. It was just kind of funny because these guys think like, oh, we're tough, we're badasses. I'm like, really? Are you? Because like, because later on, you all you just killed each other. <laughs> she didn't do anything to you. You just shot each other. 
thought that scene was so funny. Look I did too. Man. Yeah, I thought that scene was actually pretty funny, to be honest with you, because it had this Joker kind of vibe from The Dark Knight where they're all taking out each other because they're greedy for money. But those are basically just like saving bonds, if you think about it, when you look at the certificates and things like that. So they stole over, I forgot how much money from the firm, but it's all equaled out to with saving bonds, which is actually worth money and stuff like that. But still, it's just the whole fact that now these guys are actually scared of her. And I like how they do the trade-off with the money and with the little girl. They have the little girl in the shopping cart. And then you see uh, Sam... Uh, put the money in the shopping cart because they tell her, hey, look, we're going to do a trade-off. You're going to put the little girl in the shopping cart. We're going to have the girl in the shopping cart, and you're going to end up pushing the cart with the money at the same time that we push the girl. So they wind up trading off. And at first, it's not a backstabby thing. They don't backstab her like I think that they were or anything like that. They just wanted the money and go off, and that's it, which is unusual for some douchebags, uh, gangsters, to do something like that. But... That's all they were after was just the money itself. So they just were using the girl as leverage. So the girl is okay. Sam goes, I'll be right back because she needs to go on hand and get the money. So that way she can bring it back over to Nathan. And then that's when, of course, she goes into the underground garage. And then that's when you see the whole entire plan with the gangsters go sour, go south pretty much. Because then next thing you know it, the driver, I think he was uh, the Wolfman. The Wolfman is driving. He winds up getting shot with the, one of the guys in the back seat. Next thing you know it, he dies. He crashes into one of the uh, into one of the part of the building or whatever. And then next thing you know it, you wind up seeing another part where uh, Frankenstein and Dracula are facing off against each other, shooting each other for the for the money and everything. And then you see Dracula pull a grenade. And throw it at uh, at the Wolfman, and then at that point, that's how when Sam knew that she was screwed because then all of a sudden, the uh, whenever the grenade goes off, that's when the money is just everywhere, and there's nothing that she can do. So now, not only does she have the Russian mob after her, now she has the firm after her. So now you have two people after her, and wants to kill her because of the fact that number one, you killed a Russian boss's son. Now you also ended up taking upon yourself to rescue this girl's father and also to try and keep the money so that way you can go ahead and bring it back over to the firm so you can be a hero on both sides and instead it just winds up blowing up in her face, pun intended. But, <laughs> but still, I thought that this was very good. And also, too, before the bomb, the grenade actually goes off, he winds up shooting Sam in the arm. It's like a little uh, scratch wound or whatever and everything, but a little flesh wound, but that's it. And then all of a sudden it just goes off because Sam was just going to go in ahead, let them take care of themselves and then take the money later, whoever dies, which was a smart strategy on Sam's part to actually do that. But, you know, I'm going to let you take it away on what you liked about that, though. I mean, I thought that whole sequence was hysterical. Like the the goons, like I mean, it, it, it this is like, like like it's an assassin movie, but it's got a lot of humor and it doesn't seem forced. This one was hysterical. Like the guys being money greedy, and like no, I'm taking the money. What about you? Wait, wait, wait. I thought I was taking the money. And I'm gonna just shoot you. And you just knew it was just gonna go chaotic. It wasn't gonna go according to plan. And the guy chucking the grenade, and Sam's just watching, walking out there. 
She looked, she just was like staring. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like she was just walking normally. Like she didn't really seem a rush. Like I think deep down she kind of knew the money was going to get blown up anyway. And I think that was the point. Like, I don't think she was going to return the money anyway, but I don't know that, that does seem to be Sam's way of like, you know what? Like you're, 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 you lied to me, you miscommunicated and yet you threw these goons at me to try to keep me from saying something I mean, I think Sam deep deep down, but just seeing the goons just go off the way they did, I was like, "What is going?" Like, I was like, "It was just, it was a nice, com- com- like, another funny moment in it." Like, I mean, it's just, just seeing them just take each other out and nobody gets the money. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, I thought so too. And then it breaks into Paul Giamatti's character after that, where we wind up seeing uh, the secretary of the firm come up to him and goes. Remember that job that Sam did? Yeah. Well, she killed the Russian boss's son. And he goes, oh. And then he realized, okay, now he can't even protect Sam like he wanted to protect her. Because whenever he ended up telling the goons before they got up was, look, you're not going to use any guns. You're not going to use any force or anything with her. You're just going to go on ahead and talk to her and tell her to bring the money back. And that's it. Now he can't even do that, even if she did bring the money back or anything like that. There would be no peace or anything like that because, yeah, she would end up having peace with the Russian people. Not, not the Russian people, but, but the firm. But as far as taking uh, someone's son, no, that's not going to fly with a Russian mob or anything like that. That's like taking out Tony Soprano's uh, son and daughter and also Carmela. So, no, that's not going to fly with him, no matter what. So... Either way it goes, you would have just still one person going after, regardless of the fact that she brought in the money or not. But still, I thought this scene was really good and everything. And of course, you know, Nathan knows that he's in trouble. He, the firm is in trouble. And of course, Sam is in trouble for what she did. So now he can't even protect her. So he calls the goons up, though, too, until, and he, she, he goes, So are you going to give her the VIP package? Or is that still a thing? Or do we kill her? You know that you don't. She doesn't get the VIP package anymore. And at this point, they're actually on laughing gas because of how much, um, how much damage Sam actually did to them. Which is actually funny. I liked it whenever they were on the laughing gas part. I liked that bit a lot. And I liked how one of them says, "You know, this is the worst pain that I've ever been in." And he just starts cracking up laughing. And he goes, "Who did this to you?" The doctor's like, "Who did this to you?" Oh, the, one of the girls that worked for the firm. Sam, he goes, oh, that looks like the same kind of damage that this girl did to uh, the other guy back there. So Go on ahead, Charlie. Oh, no, no. I was about to say, like, you knew who they were talking about, about mentioning the word Sam, which is kind of funny. And this has led me to believe that I think those between the four of them, they had they were involved in killing that guy because the fact that the doctor knew about the damage she did to one of the guys in there kind of leads me to believe that either the doctor killed him and then want the goons to kill and kill Sam or one of the goons had something to do with it too, because how the heck did they have guns and shotguns in that when it was very, it's very suspicious that I think each one of those four of those guys had something to do with the dad getting killed because he was pretty beat up. All the doctor said he was pretty beat up. They didn't say dead until Sam saw it. So I think between that time frame. That's when that's uh, that's when they killed the guy. But yeah, I just thought that sequence was hysterical. But them on laughing gas, I'm like, 
and like, yeah, we're about to die. <laughs> and they're just like, Tess having a good time. And the doctor's like, oh my God, what am I doing? Okay, that's right. I'm going to, we're going to have to excommunicate her, her. Um, and then, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And then at that point and everything, after that happens, then you see Sam and Emily trying to escape the mall and all these other gangsters and everything else is everyone else is after her. And I've liked how they play this off really well, where they actually escape from from the, from that, and then they go over back over to the doctors, and that's when Sam winds up discovering that Emily's dad is now dead. And he's covered in like Charlie says, he was covered in blood. The whole entire sheet was covered in blood and everything. And then, of course, these gangsters are still there. But I like how Sam is quick on her feet. She winds up taking the gun out of the uh, tooth that she had left before and takes it out. And then she goes on and she's very she's prepared to take anyone down. And the, and the doctor goes, don't worry, I got this. In 60 seconds, she'll be she'll be on her ass and she won't even know what's happening. So he takes. Uh, the vial and everything and gets ready to go on ahead and give Sam the shot. And, you know, he's telling Sam, he goes, you know what? That's that scratch can actually get infected here. Let me try and take care of it for you. She goes, no, I'm good. I don't need it. Next thing you know it, Emily's looking and then Emily says something to her. And then all of a sudden Sam winds up getting hit with the uh, needle. And it looks like one of those total recall needles. It doesn't even look like a normal <laughs> needle or anything like that but all of a sudden in 60 seconds her now her hands or arms are actually paralyzed so she can't even do anything but just do just swing her arms pretty much but that's about it but i definitely like that part and then of course you go into the whole entire fight sequence now she can't use her arms like she can so all she can use is her legs and use that to her advantage rather than her arms and everything. But um, I, what did you think of the action sequence with that? I I loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, apparently, she did use her hands. Like she can just swing them around. That's why she put tape on. She put tape so with a scalpel in her uh, one hand, and then she had Emily tape the gun while her finger her fingers on the trigger on the other hand, and she. She's resortful. Like, I mean, Emily is like the, like the, I think she's going to be the, her apprentice. Like she, she seemed like, Oh, I'm her apprentice before Sam even says it. But Sam was like resourceful. So I like that whole sequence. Like I knew she knew something was up when she picked up the gun, like from the tooth. Um, I, like, like I said, later on, I didn't think I thought the tooth that, that jar, I thought that was plastic Boy, was I wrong after uh, after what happened later on, <laughs> and how metallic that like or how like heavy that tooth was, and once boom, like smashed the guy's face in. I thought that was like <laughs> that was a cringe moment for me, but in a hilarious way because the guy totally deserved it. But just at the, how resourceful Emily, like Sam was to figure out, no, I don't need the shot, and how she was fighting off the doctor for the mon cart until the doctor just nicked her with the shot. So she lost paralysis. She has no paralysis in her arms and how she was able to use the chair and spin the chair around while she's like slightly slice. Like, I mean, this seems violent, but it's like, it's kind of comedic. It's a comedic violence. Um, if there's a, there's a, such a thing. Um, but like it was, dark humor. Humor. yeah. Dark like humor. Dark humor. Yeah. 
I thought it was a well shot like action sequence. It was really cool. This just shows you how resourceful and how much of a badass Sam actually is. Like she's not going out without a fight. And that's what and I that's what I really liked about her character. But that whole sequence was great, especially how she killed the doctor with the tooth. <laughs> yeah, whenever I say now here's the thing. I didn't like the music aspect to it. Yeah, I like dark humor. Yeah, I like it whenever it's comical and stuff like that. If they have the right kind of music, if they don't have the right kind of music for me, it takes me out of it a little bit. But I was laughing, so it did its job on that part. As far as the music line it goes for that, it kind of took me out of it. But also, too, it still kept me engaged into the action sequence and stuff like that. But the funny part for me, like you mentioned, though, is the tooth. Because I thought it was actually plastic, though, too to be honest with you, I didn't think it was that heavy until she drops it on that henchman's uh, face. And then you're like, Ooh, okay. My bad. <laughs> that is definitely not good. <laughs> but yeah. Um, then after that, we wind up seeing them going outside of the parking garage again, again. And this time she had like she like charlie says she has no paralysis in her arms or anything like that but i like how resilient she is so she's like hey emily have you ever learned how to drive she goes well you're gonna drive you're gonna learn today and she has her on her lap and she goes look you're gonna do the steering and you're also going to uh, use the drive reverse and drive when i tell you to reverse you're gonna reverse when i tell you to drive you're gonna drive when i tell you to do a hard left you're gonna do a hard left or hard right and I love the stunt work with this. This, to me, worked big time when it can't, comes down to it. And then also, to the forklift scene. Whenever uh, that, that one scene where one of the cars winds up uh, banging right into the uh, car lift and winds up decapitating one of the henchmen's heads. Like, ooh, that, that was another cringeworthy moment where I'm like, okay, this, this is actually making me hurt, <laughs> you know? Going ahead. That was a great, I mean, it was, it makes you hurt, but it makes you like, ooh, like, if you like this kind of stuff, I mean, it's entertaining, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, but I want to mention, like, some before, like, as soon as, um, like, before yeah, they get ahead, to the doctor's office, um, the, the little dialogue between Emily and, uh, uh, Sam when they're in the car, and, and when, and Emily notices the, the bullet wound first, is like, whoa, that, like, man, you got shot in the arm, you know that can get infected, right? And like, and then she's, and then Emily's going into so much facts about that, and 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 she goes, "Where'd you learn about this History Channel?" And she's like, "Man, what are you, what are, you, what, are, what are the teachers teaching you guys these days?" I just thought that scene was pretty funny about how she's she's going on the deeper, darker side of the of a single bullet wound. How you might think it's nothing like a dum dum wound, and how you find that oh, it can get infected with syphilis, and then you could die. And she's like, "What are you? What are they teaching you these days?" I thought that was, I thought that sequence was kind of funny, like little kind of humor, but it, but it kind of shows you like the two of them got great, great chemistry. The two of them, like they're just kind of riffing on each other. But yeah, I love the, the car chase sequence. I thought that was cool. And the eight year olds driving the car. And now after she's driven the car, can I drive? No. Can I turn the radio then? Knock yourself out. <laughs> so, they, so she's driven before, but they don't want her driving again. <laughs> Also, too, I forgot to mention the fact that they do spare the doctor's life thanks to Emily. She just like, I just want to let you know, your life got spared by an eight-year-old. And she just looks at her, eight and three quarters. Eight and three quarters. Eight and three quarters. 
<laughs> which is hysterical. I thought Emily, the girl, the girl who this child actress that plays Emily, was really good in everything in this film. I thought this was a film that was made for her. Her mm -hmm. and Sam paired up really well with this film and everything. And outside of Marvel, with, with this actress playing Nebula and everything, she definitely does a great job with this. Yeah, you she's know? great in the Jumanji movies as well. Yes, Karen Gillian is just fantastic, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. Um, then, of course, after that wind, winds up happening, Sam receives a text from Nathan, giving her the address to a safe house where she can find supplies to help her escape. She and Emily travel there and run into Scarlet, who's her mother, and reveals she has been watching Sam from over afar for over three years of her life <laughs> when and then of course you know at first you have this little sad moment and everything because of the fact that you know she's questioning scarlet she's like why did you leave me there after all this time and everything and now i'm now i'm a, an assassin and she's well i didn't want this life for you because well that's all i know that's all i'm good at and she goes, well, that's all I'm good at, too. And then there's, like, this mother and daughter bonding period where they hug and embrace each other. And then they squash the beef that they have against each other. And then they realize they have to survive. And then also, too, you also have Emily going through the channels and everything, too. And she goes, um, we have company. And it's these other henchmen. And this reminds me of the Goonies in so many ways. And also reminds me of Breaking Bad, the way the secret passageway is. Because they have a dryer. Scarlet has a dryer in the safe house. And she's like, okay, come on. go. Let's go through through here. And, and and then I like how Sam just goes, what the hell is that? It goes to Narnia. What do you think it, it is? <laughs> so she they go through this dryer. And it reminds me of the Goonies. And, also make, and the reason why I say that is because when the henchmen are going after the Goonies, there's a secret fire. Uh, passage in the fireplace where the goonies are actually underneath the fireplace while these goons are going in there so i like that then also too it reminds me of breaking bad because when you have uh jesse and all them working in this secret lab there's this broken down dryer and this dryer opens up into the place where they actually do their drugs and stuff like that make their drugs so i thought that was an interesting play to have a secret passage passage in this and then after that, they wind up passing through a kitchen, and then after the kitchen and everything, they finally make their exit, and I like how they actually talk to the chef. He goes, oh, you're doing a great job on your food, by the way. Keep up the good work. And then you see the goons looking around, seeing where they went, because at that point, they already passed through everything already, and then they wind up finding out that it's the dryer, so they go on ahead, go through it and stuff like that, and then, of course, there's this massive shootout and everything, too, whenever they're trying to escape, and then, finally, we make it over to the library. But I'll let you, Charlie go on ahead, take it away, if there's anything that you wanted to talk about prior, before the library. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was a shootout before. Okay. I, mean, I, then, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, the shootout happened right when they get to the library, so I think this one yeah. is more them escaping. Um. Okay. I thought like I thought them the reintroduction of the mother is funny like like she has two she has two doors they go to the door on the left she's hiding the door on the right and she has the gun point at Sam and he goes oh you know I taught you better than this oh hi mom like is this like this that and he goes who, who who's this um and she's like she started freaking out oh my god am I a grandmother oh god no 
oh, thank God. <laughs> that's like, no, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm her apprentice. Like, she just fought on a miss. She's the apprentice. And then, like, I thought that was a nice heart to heart with them, that. I mean, yeah, they, they, of course, they have to squash the beef that. I mean, but I think it's, I think the mom had every reason to do it because she didn't want her daughter to be in this life. But too bad she is. And then they asked the question, does she know about really what happened to her father? And Sam, like, Sam's taking the guilt to herself because she thinks she killed the dad, like, the father, which I still don't think she did. Um, and then them escaping. And then, like, and then I thought the sequence before they get to the this, the real exit, they're going down the elevator. And the mom, like, and then Sam's like, come on, mom, you got a plan. You always got a plan. And then they open the elevator and you see the, all this, the whole goons and stuff. Well, uh, before, because the mom injects Sam with the the antidote to get her like, get her paralysis back up, um, and then they open up the thing. You see this whole squad of goons filled up. Sam chucks the gun at them, and and then they press the elevator button, and the mom's just laughing. It's like, all right, ha ha, mom. Like, yeah, like you, you told me my paralysis is gonna be over. Yeah, I said it might. <laughs> It was just a kind of a, a kind of like a little setup joke. I thought it was pretty funny how Sam's paralysis still still was there after the antidote, and she just chucked the gun at the goon. Didn't do anything. <laughs> I I thought that sequence was pretty funny. Um, and then and then the mom, the um, Scarlet really did have a plan to, for them to escape. I thought that like I thought that sequence was pretty funny. This the Sam just chucking the gun at the guy. Um, that and then so after the sequence, that's when they moved to the library, and that's when um, Scarlet and, the, and uh, Emily and Sam they meet up with the the sisterhood again, and um, and how Florence was so happy to see Scarlet again, um, and then um, the Angela Bessette character, and we looked that up, who her character name, um, how she was like. Oh, like to this day, you're still in the. You didn't say goodbye, or you didn't apologize for disappearing. Um, and that so it was uh, anime, and it was anime. Uh, Florence is the Michelle Yeoh character. So the Carlo Gwyn is that um, Madeline. That was the one that was the uh, the the uh, we we sorry we got the uh, the names mixed up. So Madeline was the one that was very like I knew something that was familiar about you, Sam. Um, Madeline was the very, was so happy to see, uh, Scarlet back. So anyway, they, um, they go down to the lower level and they're like trying to see the, they see all the goons stand up. So they're trying to keep, protect the little girl, Emily. So they're just how swarmed of guns and stuff they are. And they, and then Scarlet's like, I want to help my daughter. And then, and then, um, Whoa. Sam's like, no, this is my mistake. I'm going to go ahead and t I, I got to take it. I got to like, own up for my mistake. Um, that just shows you the type of character that she is. And it's like, she, how she doesn't run away from a fight. And, um, I, what I really liked was what the, what, what the, uh, the sisterhood told her, Oh, there's a weapon in a book. You just got to find it. Your self help is on the left. This other thing's on the right. Um, and then, and everybody else is down at the, like down, down in the basement area, loading up, getting ready to go to wherever else they had to go. Just, I think they're planning on going to the diner or something. I, I, I forgot. It's been saw this on Saturday. Um, and then they had this big action sequence, which I thought was a really good sequence. So this shows Karen Gillian just being a badass, taking out these guys with a pocket, a switch, switch blade or a book. I think she killed a guy with a book. And then, and then there was one point where she's getting overrun, and then Lena Headey's like, "I cannot abandon my daughter again." 
and she comes in with dual pistols. I, I this like I said, this whole sequence was just was just so good. I mean, it was like the whole like we, we what the, it was the library wasn't just a one shot. This whole big action sequence was fantastic. Yeah, the library scene alone is the reason why you're enticed into this whole entire movie, though, to begin with. Mm-hmm. is because of the fact that you want to go back and revisit those characters again and stuff like that. And then I liked how, you know, all of a sudden, Sam brought the shit show to them, basically. Because of the fact she's got Emily with her. You have the firm after her. You have the Russians after her. You have this big crowd of people with her. And everything that the librarians don't want, the sisterhood of, of assassins don't want, and everything. But you know, they and then of course they're actually surprised that Scarlet is back and everything too, which is something that I really liked. It's like, oh, Scarlet's back. Where have you been and everything? So yeah. I definitely like that. They go into this other little secret passageway down to where they were, and I liked how each setting in this library sequence has a, its own theme. Mm-hmm stuff like that. I thought that was laid out perfectly well whenever the henchman and everything is going into uh, the library part. But let's just talk talk about this for a minute. I liked how uh, Sam is like, so where, where do I get more guns? Oh, go to the uh, how-to section <laughs> and everything. And it's like, direct, some of it is mixed in with directions. Some of it has mm-hmm. guns in it. It's just, a, it's basically a mixed bag of books, basically. And whatever you get, you better hope that it's a weapon. Otherwise, you're going to have to find a way to actually make something a weapon whenever it's not a weapon. Yeah. Uh, Sam winds up finding a switchblade in one of them, winds up finding survival tactics, tactics in one of them. So it goes on to, for quite a bit with this uh, scene and everything. Yeah, too. it was a long sequence. Um, it was a great sequence, too, because even mm-hmm. like, and then when I said when Lena Headey came in with the, so she jumped in slow motion with the dual pistols. I was like, okay, she she's a badass in this movie, and mm-hmm. and and like, and I was like, I there's various times where I thought, oh my god, someone one of these people are gonna die, like somebody's gonna either sacrifice himself and they're gonna die, um, and then um, I was really bummed when that Mad- Mad- and then Madeline, she was the Carlo Guingo character that we said was like, it was like I knew something about you. Um, her name, I believe, like her uh, Florence was the Michelle Yeoh character. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh but, was yeah, my favorite so, one. So it was always, yeah. um. But the one you're talking about is also my favorite one because of the Gatling gun. Yeah, and, and everything. She put this music on this like the the noise canceling headphones. So she's just going torching that, and then um and then like, the fact that she was the only one to die. That was that was sad. It was. It definitely was sad. But I like the fact that she died protecting Emily, and also too, yeah. I love the Janis Joplin song. Yeah, though that was playing. That actually fit in with the music and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That didn't take me out of it as much as the other song that was playing whenever you're looking at that silly sequence went inside the doctor's office or anything like that. But this was very good, very well laid out and everything. So I definitely like the action sequence with it. I geeked out whenever I saw the Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. And Brandy just looks at me. She goes, I thought you haven't seen this movie before. I said, I see the Gatling gun in the corner. <laughs> Yeah. She goes, oh, yeah. so. well, playing the trailer too, and was in the trailer, so we kind of knew the Gatling right. gun was coming. But uh, and I love the bayonets they put onto the guns. So mm-hmm. well, it shows Scarlet and um Sam, they're just beating these guys up, and like there was various times where it looked like one of them was that, and then she comes out, like stabs the guy, and then shoots him. Like this, this whole sequence just worked just well. And and then even you even got uh Flor uh, you even got Florence and Anna 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 May involved in the different worlds or 
anime was using the, the, the hammers, going to hammer time on everybody. And then the Michelle Yeoh character was just using a, like using a chain just to, like choke people out. And and of course the two of them end up saving Sam and Scarlet from this giant brute or something. I felt like this and this whole sequence was a fantastic action sequence. Mm-hmm. And um, also too, I like Michelle Yeoh when she got out the M16 and just oh, went yeah. ham on everybody. Yeah. That was just that that just was mind blowing to me. I mean, yeah. I'm like this woman is a total badass. She did not want to mess with this woman. No. Don't want to mess with any of them. No. No, definitely not. Uh, then after we get that shootout and everything, of course, now it goes into the diner scene again. Yeah. And basically it's where Sam is trying to make a deal. You can tell that Sam wants to try to make a deal with the Russian, uh, the Russian uh, father that she killed. Yeah. Russian son's father. And he walks in and everything. And the waitress is, waitress is like, want to lighten your load? Not today. Walks over to her. And walks over to Sam inside the booth. Goes, look, I just want to let you know that I'm gonna make you suffer the way that no one that I have never let anyone suffer before. And Sam is just calm. She goes, mm-hmm. I just want to say that I'm sorry for killing your son. I didn't mean to kill your son. The firm told me to kill your son, and it was nothing personal. It was just business. Mm-hmm. And he goes, business or not, you're still gonna be. Uh, being tortured day in and day out mm-hmm. until you're dead. And then all of a sudden you see the whole entire diner filled with guns blazing, which yeah. I love this sequence of the wide angle shot of mm-hmm. every single character that we've been introduced to. You yeah. see Michelle Yeoh, you see uh, the assassins, uh, the sisterhood of assassins and everything in the yeah. scene and just going all out. It's yeah. only three of them, and they take out this entire Russian crew. Um, but go ahead, I'll, I'll. No, 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 no. Go on ahead. I, w- I want you to. I want you to put okay. your thoughts into it. Okay. Um. I think it was. I, I think the Russian guy was already there. I think it was Sam yeah. that walked in. Yeah. No worries. I didn't mean the. Critique. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, it's cool because yeah. I wasn't sure how that okay. how that yeah. ending part was yeah. in a little bit, but I'm glad yeah. that you worked it yeah. out. I think it was it was like that because early on it was Sam sitting there in the very beginning. Sam was sitting there and the Russians walked in. Can you lighten your load? So this one was the opposite where every all the Russians were sitting down and they had Emily and Sam's like, Emily, are you okay? And she goes, Yeah. And then and that's when she's sitting down with the Russian like that. And he's like, I'm sorry I killed your son. Um and then he goes, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna torture you really bad because p- before this, Emily, like uh, Sam, was giving herself up, like because uh, she was telling mom, like, mom, don't you have any plan? You always got a plan. And is like, my plan is, I'm, go- we're going to do this in the diner because they can't have weapons there. They, they're not allowed to do that. And I'm gonna that sacrifice man is like, do you have a better plan? And the mom is like, no. So that's when Sam is kind of going in on her own because that's when you think, okay, Sam's gonna sacrifice herself. And then all of a sudden, you see. All, like you see Lena Headey with the shotgun to the head of the uh, the Russian guy, the Russian mob leader, and then you see all the other assassins. But yeah, that wide angle singles like that sequence. Um, Michelle Yeoh's character got the brutal end of it because uh, you see this like the knife, like the sword hit her in the top of the eye. It was like either near is under the eye or on top of the eye, and because that's where she's wearing the eye patch in the end of the movie, she got nailed pretty hard with the sword. Uh, but yet she still went on guns blazing and like they, they they took the three girls took out the entire army 
and that was awesome. That was a sweet scene. Uh, that That's probably one of my favorite action sequences that I've seen in this movie, aside from the library scene. But the whole reason why Sam is sacrificing herself is to save Emily, because Emily got kidnapped during that whole entire charade and everything after um, one of the Sisterhood of Assassins got killed. So, you know, Sam is just trying to do the right thing here and is trying to sacrifice herself for Emily to do a trade-off and everything. Then, of course, that's when uh, we wind up seeing that awesome action sequence that we um we wind up seeing and then after that we go into paul giamani's character nathan he's waking up it's early in the morning and you know then the maid winds up telling him there's a girl scout there that wants to see see you and of course we already know it's emily i mean there's no two ways about it it's emily so you know at first i wasn't sure if emily was going to go ahead and kill him or anything because that was my first initial thought was maybe she was going to go in and get a, a pistol out and kill him with the silencer you know but she didn't do that or anything like that but basically what winds up happening is this uh to uh sam also apologizes to emily for killing um for killing her father and everything else too so that's also another thing i want to mention because Sam does have a little bit of a nightmare that Sam is going to get revenge on her, but ends up having a bonding moment with Emily instead, which I thought was really sweet. And then, of course, you know, we wind up seeing this scene where we're face to face with Paul Giamatti's character, Nathan, and he's like, "I'm well, little girl, what do you want? He goes, I want you to leave us alone. <laughs> and so he goes, uh-huh. So where is Sam at? And then you see a laser being pointed at his chest. And that's whenever she starts going into the negotiations. And I'll let you do the negotiation scene. Yeah. Um before like I wanna I wanna mention like the the, the scene between Emily and like uh, Sam, like because that nightmare I thought that really happened. And then when she woke up, and of course she's wearing the kitty pajamas and stuff. Um she's and you see Emily out there, and she goes, I'm really sorry for killing your dad. She goes, I know, I I, I know, but it you it, like we need to get the guy that made you pull the trigger. Because Emily kind of knew deep down, and she goes, and then but Emily's like, I know you tried to save my dad. And that, and and then and you end up saving me. So Emily isn't the killer type yet, but I think uh, that's why I think she's gonna be Sam's apprentice. Like, to, like so she's gonna be like Sam's probably gonna teach her some stuff. But I thought that heart to heart moment was really cool because it showed the two of them like on equal footing. They're not, they don't have a grudge against each other because Sam sa practically sacrificed herself to save em this little girl because she didn't have to. But and then but she felt so guilt stricken about killing her dad, even though. Emily knew it's not your fault. It's the quote, uh, a goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. And I'm surprised Emily's like, don't do this to me, man. <laughs> but yeah, essentially it wasn't, it, she pulled the trigger, but she didn't mean to because she didn't know the full facts. Cause again, the firm lied to her about what was really going on. Um, but I thought that was really nice. And then the, the sequence of Emily saying, um, it's like, so, um, so little girl, what can I get you? Well, I, I want you to leave us alone. Why would I do that? You need to look inside, look into your heart. And then when he said, look into your heart, that's when the, the laser is that. And that's when Sam called him like, you're going to either tell the firm to leave us alone or warn them that we're coming. And, and, and just know that if, if whatever you decide, your life will be spared by an eight year old girl. And she goes, eight and three fourths, eight and three quarters. Oh, I'm sorry. 
eight and three quarters. <laughs> I always love that funny little bit though, whenever she does the eight and three quarters thing. So that was that that's always great. And it's never really forced. It's only mentioned twice. So I thought that was great. The ending is is great. Despite the dialogue at the very beginning that I didn't really care for, the dialogue does wind up getting better towards the middle and everything. So I mm-hmm. thought that was good that it actually strained out towards the end of the film. Because here's the thing with dialogue for me, yeah, I don't really care about plot points and certain things, but whenever uh, the dialogue isn't strong, it just isn't strong for me. And therefore, because it's not strong, it's going to take me out of the movie. And everything else. So that's just me and my perspective of it and everything. But you know, everybody has their own thought process on it. So, is there any final thoughts uh, for this? No, I thought it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. Um, definitely a lot better than a lot of stuff I just watched. More specifically, the movie I just watched on Friday night that was an epic piece of shit. Um, <laughs> that's Space Jam Two. I'm sorry. Um, if like come at me. Um, you can find you, you know where to find me, and I can go all I can go twenty rounds of how bad Space Jam Two is. I don't care if you, like if you call it a ten out of ten. This movie's ten times better than that. And if you're ten out of ten, I'm gonna ask who's your drug dealer, and can can I get some of those drugs? Because that's how I know you and your like that's probably how you, you were entertained by that movie. That's me. If you want to see me go on a full hour rant, watch our video for our Space Jam Two review. But this movie was, I I was entertained by it. This movie, I was excited for the trailer. Um, this movie, like, like, and the action sequences were well worth seeing this movie. Yeah, I got Netflix and you're looking for something to watch to get that bad taste of Space Jam 2 on your mouth. Watch this one. This movie, it, it, it's, it, it's, it, this is two hours, but it feels right two hours. Not two hours, like an hour and 50 movies of, 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 of crap. And if and it goes on for two and a half hours. This is a, I thought this was a good time frame for this movie. Um, yeah, hour this, forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was about yeah, give or take. Yeah, it's about that. Whatever. Um, it's it's an this is an entertaining movie. This is it. If you want entertainment, if you want to get action, if you want to see strong female characters kick ass, not flop on the floor like a bitch like LeBron. Check this movie out and avoid Space Jam too. I'm gonna okay. keep seeing out to anything that's better in 2021. Okay. So if you hit, if you love Space Jam too, don't tune in. Subscribe, but don't tune in. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, guys, this is going to be it for our gunpowder milkshake review. I hope that you guys enjoy it. If you guys are just watching it on the replay, do us a favor and just hit that like button, hit that share button. Don't forget to subscribe. It helps us with a long way. If you're going on and listening to this on audio podcast as well, please go on ahead and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and also on Good Pods as well. It actually helps us out with people finding our podcast and everything, and we do appreciate that, and also give us a review over there. Then also, too, if you guys want to donate the show, just go on ahead, head over to www.gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast and then of course you guys can also go on ahead and find us on facebook at movie lovers tv lovers unite over there and on instagram underneath the same brand as well and also on pinterest too then of course if you want an audio only podcast you can get that where you guys get your podcast from and for all your entertainment needs at once just go on ahead head over to movieloversunite.com then if you wanted to go on ahead and follow me on twitter at movie lovers unit and also too on on stereo as well under movie lovers unit and then of course you guys can, if you guys are a sponsor or would like to be on the show as a guest go on ahead and email me at movie lovers unite at gmail.com and then tomorrow night eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern six o'clock pacific time i'm gonna have acs 
studio in with me. And Anthony and I are going to be talking about our childhood uh, cartoons that we used to grow uh, grow up on, different childhood memories, things like that. It's, this is actually going to be the Reminiscing with John uh, segment. So go on ahead. Tell me what you think about our segment for the very first time. Because here's the thing. If you guys like it, I'm going to go on and keep on doing it. But if we don't get the views or if we don't get what I like for what I like to actually have for this, then that segment's not going to be there very long. So go ahead. Let me know what you think of the Reminiscing with John segments that I'm going to be doing once a month. So go on ahead, check that out. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. Can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Bye-bye.